Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show. I'm Tanya Acker. Welcome to the show. So if you watch Hot Bench, and I hope everybody's watching Hot Bench, you will see me and my two colleagues, Michael Corriero and Patricia Domingo, engage with the litigants. And then they leave us. We make a decision and they leave us and they go off into the arms of my next guest, Chris Thomas. Uh, Chris Thomas has been with our show, Hot Bench, since the beginning. He's been with Judge Judy since the beginning, 25 years of that incredible broadcast. Uh, he is a wonderful friend. He is a colleague. He is a Texan. And he's here right now. Uh, please, I hope you enjoy my conversation with my great friend, Chris Thomas. Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show, my friend and my colleague, Chris Thomas. Thank you, Chris, for joining. You're very welcome, Tanya. It's a pleasure to be here. It's so nice. So you all know Chris. Chris is the one who gets the litigants right after they leave our hands. My two colleagues and I, Judge Corriero, Judge Domingo, we get to talk to these folks, we ask them the questions, we make a decision, and then we release them out into the world of Chris, which has also been your job uh, for 25 years with the Honorable Judith Scheinland, queen of all television, first of her name, ruler Whoa. of media. <laughs> 100%. So, what is that like? So talk to us about what you do with the folks when they leave uh, our grasp. You enjoy that little bit of interrogation afterwards? <laughs> a little bit of an interrogation. And basically, it's a chance to give them the opportunity just to, you know, to, to give the, the, them to speak off their mind, you know, to come clean, basically, you know, because they've been in a, the courtroom, you know, and nine times out of 10, you know, it's, they're not always happy. Some aren't happy. Some are happy. Some aren't happy. So, and when they come outside, it just gives them, you know, the last word, so to speak, you know, and I want them to leave, you know, happy campers. I want them to be a happy individual when they leave. I want them to be, have every, you know, stress on that one situation off their mind, you know, put this behind them, move forward and, and try to make a better day. Because you are so happy. By the way, you are, uh, you've been with Judy for 25 years. You've been with our show, uh, Hot Bench, since the beginning, you are just so positive and optimistic. <laughs> and frankly, if I were a litigant and I were leaving a courtroom where somebody had been giving me a hard time or some three folks had been giving me a hard time, ending up uh, in your happy clutches would be a nice place uh, to be. So tell me, what has been the biggest surprise? Let's oh, just talk about how- very nice of you to say. What's the biggest surprise- in the seven years that you've experienced at our show? What's something where you were like, what? What the heck? Well, I mean, you have so many cases where like friends will actually turn on each other and start like damaging their vehicles or, or boyfriends and girlfriends. So, you know, move in together way too soon and, you know, playing house or something and it turns into a tragic situation. The biggest surprise is to see how human nature, I guess, really is. You know, people People hope for the best, but sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. And, and fortunately, there's forums like, you know, Judge Judy Ann Hotbench where people can come out there and adjudicate it, make their peace and move forward in a different way. I mean, I love the cases where the dogs and we have animals and stuff. And you're such an animal advocate as well as, as I am, you know, and, and you want the, the, the dogs to have the best home possible or the cat to have the best home possible. You want that person to really genuinely want to care for that animal because they are their family members like everybody else. 
Speaking of dogs, you ended up with a new member of your family uh, as a result of uh, one of Judge Judy's cases. Tell us about that. Tell us about that little bugger that ended up in your home. Well, that's, that's so sweet of you to bring her up. Our, our little Foxy Lee, she's a little Pom. She was a case on uh, Judge Judy. And uh, it turns out that the, the owners had, had just not really neglected, neglected her. She uh, wasn't being fed the proper food. She was undernourished, malnourished. Uh, the mother, uh, the daughter had let the mother borrow the dog and the, the pit bull had attacked the uh, little foxy, put her into seizures. Then she went back home. So she was really just a really under, undernourished, neglected little animal. And, and Judge Judy saw right through that. And lo and behold, this would be the second dog that Judge Judy has given us. We received a basset hound many years ago. And God rest her soul, we had to put her down a few, you know, last year due to, due to cancer. But she had a great life. And now we have our little Fox D. Lee. So, I mean, fortunately, that's it, it, what it tells me and, and my wife, Lisa, is the fact that Judge Judy believes in, in us enough to take care of these little animals because we do believe, you know, with all of our hearts that they are family members. You know, and, and, and it's just like all the judges, just like you and, and Judge Domingo and Judge Corriero is, is y'all want the best for everything. You want, you, y'all are actually really good people and people don't get to see that outside of the court arena. You actually have good hearts. You want the best for individuals and you want them to be the best they can possibly be too. And you're in a, a tough situation. You have to adjudicate really acrimonious situations where people aren't very happy. And <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> y'all get to the truth and, and it always works out for the best. So kudos to you. That is really high praise coming from you, my friend. Uh, very much okay. appreciated. How did you get into this business? Uh, Chris Thomas, a bunch of people right now are listening to us, watching us, maybe thinking about uh, making a pivot of some sort in their lives. Uh, some folks are trying to figure out how to pick up the pieces and move on. Tell us a little bit about how you it went from uh, Texas to Hollywood and how you found your success here. Uh, by, by the grace of God, to be perfectly honest with you, nothing but blessings. I mean, that's just it. You know, um, fortunately, I, I came out here in uh, 91, went to the American Academy of Dramatic Arts, so wanted to be the actor, tried doing that, did a little bit of the acting stuff. Then I got in, went to the LA uh, Connection Improv School, wanted to do comedy. And the acting stuff was being a little bit difficult. And I, I got a call from uh, one of the co-executive producers at the beginning of Judge Judy uh, to work on a pilot for Lifetime. So I, I basically jumped at the opportunity. I was asked if I could be a location manager. I'd never done it before, didn't know what it meant. And I said, but I could do it. I will give my best shot. So you learn how to do something through trial and error. And, and fortunately, he liked my go-getting attitude and, and just my persistence, and I guess my attitude. And that's a key thing too, is always have a positive attitude because it's almost like you reap what you sow. You wanna put out what you wanna get back. And after that, he brought me on to Judge Judy and I was the production assistant, you know, where you get in the car, the sodas and the ice and loading up the craft service and helping out with the litigants and organizing everything. And our first days in Judy, it was a really, really hot day. I think it was in July or something when we had our first taping episode. And I'd hauled in cases of sodas and cases of ice and loaded up the craft service, fruits, vegetables, uh, bagels, donuts and everything. And I'm just dripping sweat from all this hot and heat and stuff. And I'm in an air conditioned studio and they wanted to do uh, the interviews like the old people's court, like Doug Llewellyn. You know, what did you think of the, you know, the decision? But they weren't going to pay. They didn't want to do SAG and after it. They hadn't planned on that. And it was so last minute. And they had asked the producers, you want to do the interview after your case? No, no, I don't want to talk to the litigants after the case. And they went through a list of about six or seven people. And I'm standing there by the craft service tape. And I'm like, I'll try. And they said, give Chris Thomas the microphone and the headphones. And 25 years later, it was just, you know, by the grace of God, like I said, it's just very fortunate. So I guess the lesson is, is, you know, 
you can, you're capable of doing anything. You know, if the opportunity presents itself, grab it with both horns because the opportunity was given to you by, by a gift. So you may as well just take it and hope that you can run with it and make it work out for the best. That's great advice. It's scary sometimes to try a new thing when you've never done it. Uh, you know, you said that you were offered the chance to be a location manager. You were like, yeah, sure, but you'd never done it before. So what's your advice to people about how to get ready to do something brand new? How do you start something brand new uh, that's outside of your wheelhouse, but that's an important step in where, when wherever else it is you want to go? Well, the truth of the matter is, is what I did is, is I just called other location managers and I asked them after, you know, I had, had committed to doing it, what exactly does your job entail? And they described what they do, you know, what their services were and provided. And when you learn that and you just start applying those procedures and those thoughts and actions, nine times out of 10, it worked out. It worked out for the best. You know, if you get positive advice from positive people in that field, then you can just start taking it in your own direction and making it your own. We have so many more resources now than we used to, to get information now, right? I mean, yes. everybody, like we bemoan Facebook and all of that. Some people do. I, I kind of like it. I think it's a good way to stay in touch. You know, you got to just have your boundaries. But there are all of these ways now that we can go online and learn things that we didn't used to be able to do. Oh, Tanya, you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, when I first started back here, it was basically the Dewey Decimal System at the library. <laughs> I remember the Dewey yeah. Decimal. We're like the same age, brother. Like, I remember Dewey Decimal. I remember the card catalog oh, yeah. in the library. <laughs> like, the card catalog. You had to go to oh, yeah. the library and then, like, yeah. figure out what shelf things were on. Oh, yes, exactly. You have to hunt it down, ask a million people and things like that. And But in today's now, with the Internet – you have a world of knowledge at your fingertips. So let's talk a little bit about your home state. Uh, Texas has really, really been through the ringer. Uh, you also, on a very personal level, um, have uh, dealt with some really heavy stuff. Your mom was diagnosed with COVID. How That's is correct. she doing? How is she? She's doing much better. Thank you for asking. I mean, it, it, she said she's been on antibiotics about three months after the full effect of the virus that it had hit her and stuff. And it was a, it, it was a simple, simple mistake by my family. My, uh, my aunt and her uh, husband had gone over to see my mom and my brother for Thanksgiving. And, you know, they didn't even think anything of it. And sure enough, a week later, my mother had getting the, uh, the symptoms, went and was tested, was uh, diagnosed with COVID and said, I mean, she said, imagine the flu and imagine it a hundred times worse than you could ever imagine. She wow. said she wouldn't wish it on anyone. She said, it's so sad that people are actually dying from this disease when it can be so preventable by just taking the steps and precautions that the CDC, you know, recommends. What do you feel as uh, the son of a woman uh, who is suffering from this, who suffered from this? What do you feel when you hear people doubt that it's a real thing or poo-poo the restrictions or really, you know, go even further than that? I mean, there's been a lot of uh, aggressive behavior toward uh, mask wearers or those who ask others to wear masks. What, uh, how, do you, how does that impact you personally when you see some of those reactions? I, I, I feel a little bit of anger, to be honest with you, because it's selfish for you to not consider other people's feelings in this world. I mean, we're all in this place together and it's not just your place that you live in. Every, you've got to share this planet with everybody else. And when certain recommendations come from, you know, high ranking officials where we should take these precautions and do it, 
you should follow those precautions. That's why they are up in that power. That's why we have a CDC and that's why we have an FDA. We have all these organizations to help protect us. You know, and the fact of the matter is, is, you know, if these people that don't believe it and stuff, I ask you just to go to a hospital ward, look in there in the emergency room, look at the numbers of these people that are dying. Look at these tragic cases of, of grandparents who can't say goodbye to their kids or anyone like that and they have to pass away. I've had friends who have lost family members and they can't even see their family members for the funeral. They have to, you know, have them cremated or done some a different type of service because of the fact they can't be exposed to the virus. So there's so much heartache and going on and stuff. And I mean, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But when it comes to affecting other people's, you know, well-being, aren't you being a little selfish yourself? And then I can only imagine what it must be like to learn that a parent is that ill and you can't go see them. You can't no. stand at their bedside. Like you can't be there in the ways that we want to be there for people when they're not well. That's exactly right. And I mean, it's, it's, an, it's almost mind boggling to think that here we are almost a year in later, Tanya, and we're still having, you know, outbreaks and the virus is still going on. Granted, there's a vaccine and everyone should go out and get vaccinated so we can try to get back to a somewhat of a normal life. But it's just tragic to think that, you know, this country couldn't handle the situation a little bit better and make a national order. So all states aren't going against each other. You know, there should have been some unifying thing that everyone just followed the protocols and, and maybe we'd, you know, move on to a better situation. One can only hope. I, I bet if Judy, <laughs> Judy, would, <laughs> Judy would have run this thing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, between Judy and the you three judges, this situation would have been a moot point in 90 days. <laughs> um, it's been really, uh, it's just been tough. You know, it's been tough for people. It's in part why I really wanted to have you on the show, because I find that you project such a happy optimism. You know, even on our show, sometimes we have these cases, and as you say, people are mad, and they leave that stage mad. I hear them back there, you know, before you interview them, they're like yelling and calling us all kind of names, and you still come out there. So, but you know, what I like about you is that you sometimes are like, don't you think you shouldn't have not lied to the judges like that? Like, <laughs> Why did you lie? Why did you present that fake evidence? Right. I mean, sometimes, you know, with a smile, friend, you do it with a smile. (laughs) You know, that's, it's the opportunity. It's like, hey, you may as well come clean now. It's already done. You may, you know, get it off your chest and you can move forward in a positive light. So speaking of moving forward in a positive light, uh, going back to your home state of Texas, I... Gosh, what a um, disaster. I mean, it was like a, an apocalypse down there. Are your friends and family okay and recovered from that crisis? Yes, thank you very much for asking. I mean, it, it's tragic to think that, you know, in Texas where, they, where they've done up this unregulated power something or, you know, where they do the, the power companies are all unregulated, people were getting hit with $17,000 bills for the electric and power during what? these- un- Yes. Oh, my goodness. Google this. Look this up, ladies and gentlemen. During the power crisis, certain individuals, I mean, we're talking one city block is on one power grid and another city block is on another power grid. And they're all run by independent companies, companies that don't even live in Texas, aren't even based in Texas. And they were raising the rates up so extravagant during the crisis when they were out of heat and out of water and all that stuff. Not to mention when water uh, pipes broke and when they froze and broke, the water was continuously running. They didn't send out anybody to shut the water off. They kept the bill running and running and running. And some families are receiving fifteen dollars to $20,000 electric and water bills now. And these are low-income families who can't afford to pay that. 
And you know who's getting the money? All the big boys in the corporations, because they really don't care about anybody else but themselves is what it seems to feel like. I didn't know that the uh, bills that people were getting were as high as that, um, especially for low-income people, especially folks who, you know, a lot of whom have not been working. I mean, I know that uh, Texas has had some different rules on uh, opening or not opening, but regardless of where you are uh, and what some particular state's rules are, this pandemic has really decimated a lot of people economically. So when you think about the fact that on top of the fact that, you know, they've been saddled with the impact of both health and economic of this virus, then you've got this wild storm and then now you're facing a bill for $15,000 because nobody could shut the water off during, yes. I mean, th- and they that's don't, how this went down? That's how it went down. They couldn't regulate. They couldn't get people out there to do the power, shut the power, the water off, things like that. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable to me that they didn't help these people out in the time of need. And that's just, I mean, how much more can people take, it seems? First, the COVID, you're out of work, and now you get hit with these bills, and you can't even keep warm. There are actually documented cases of people dying, freezing to death in their living room chairs. Unbelievable. Folks who didn't have heat. It's unbelievable. Tragic. This is America, Tanya. This is America. Unbelievable. It's, it, it's appalling. You told me, though, uh, on a better note, a story about paying it forward that, frankly, I, when you shared this with me, Chris, I, I told it to someone else, and it really kind of made my day because it's such an example of goodness. You know, we are so surrounded by horrors of every type. Uh, People can be horrible to one another. We are sometimes confronted with horrible situations that are of uh, no no one's fault. I mean, this pandemic happened, uh, horrible storms happened, fires have happened. I mean, this has just been a, a year of so many crises. But you told me the most beautiful story about paying it forward. And I feel like we could all use a little bit of that right now. Uh, and you know what I'm talking about, the grocery right. store. Tell me the grocery store story. Uh, another story coming from Texas. Now, this is just to show the other side of the coin here. Um, right before the storm was happening, uh, the news department announced, you know, go out, stock up on your supplies because you don't know how long this is going to last. Candles, flashlights, batteries, food, water, you know, everything that you can possibly get. Well, there's a stories of people going to this certain HEB in Texas, which is a grocery chain there. And everyone's stocking up. They said that the line to get in the place was just astronomical. People are in there, and we're talking stuffed grocery carts, packed to the brim, packed to the brim. People are waiting in line to check out. All of a sudden, the power goes out. Well, people realize they're not going to be able to pay for their groceries because they can't scan or anything like that. All of a sudden, the manager comes on and just starts waving people through, waving people through, and they're wondering what's going on and stuff. Turns out that the manager let everybody take what was ever in their cart home for free because he knew that that individuals, those people were going to need those groceries. And how can you tell someone to put things back when you know it's going to help keep them alive over the weekend? Now, here's the side note of this. To get even better is the fact, what's even better is the fact that, um, whatchamacallit, the individuals who got the groceries and stuff like that were so moved by the gesture of this corporation. They called the corporation and asked who they normally make donations to. And those individuals wrote the checks for what the groceries would cost to make a donation to that charity. So it's paying it forward. That's the whole positive part about this part. It's showing that individuals do care for each other and they can pay it forward. And that's the whole part that society would be so amazing if everyone could just one step forward, pay it forward, pay it forward until it completes the whole circle. 
What, it seems what an like, amazing it, it, it's such an amazing lesson. And, you know, when you say things like pay it forward, people are like, oh, it's so cliche. Well, you know what? Some cliches work and they are right and they mean something. Uh, it's so much easier to focus on the negative. In some ways, we have to, right? Bad stuff commands our attention. We have to stop it. We have to eradicate it. We have to fix it. And it's so easy for us to let the stories of people's goodness slip through the cracks. You know, it becomes that piece at the end of the news story that at the end of the news broadcast that people may or may not see. But that's it's so emblematic of who we are as people, you know, as humans who are in it together. hundred percent. You're, you're exactly right. Tony. I'm starting to rub it. You're right. Kindness costs it. nothing. It doesn't cost anything to be nice to people. And the only thing we have control over in this world is how we react to a situation. Like you said, life's going to hit us with both fists and it's going to be tough and difficult and uphill sometimes. But sometimes the roller coaster is better than a merry-go-round. You'd rather have some good times and some bad times as opposed to a boring life, it seems, in my opinion. You know, and, and all you want to do is be happy and be good to everybody else. You know, I like to follow the golden rule. Do unto others, you have them do unto you. It seems that, that's the philosophy that works for me and hopefully it works for everybody else too. It's pretty simple, and I have to say, I, I don't find many flaws in it. No. I don't find many flaws in it. So, like, uh, let's think about the generation of folks younger than us who are growing up in this world where everybody's in pitched battle, right? You know, I am from California. You're from Texas. The Californians and the Texans, you know, are culturally uh, at war. Like the country is in the middle of cultural warfare. A lot of us don't like each other. We are acutely focused on the things that keep us apart. And they are, there are many of them. Uh, some of them we do have to pay attention to. I don't give short shrift to any of that stuff. I mean, I think that part of what these times mean is it's a time really to kind of figure out what you're about, what you're fighting for, what's important to you and what's not. So I, I don't want to give short shrift to that, but I think it's also a good time to remember um, that there are some things that pull us together and that there are, we can sometimes find allies and friends in places uh, where we're not necessarily expecting to. So what's your advice for young people growing up in this age of Facebook and uh, constant cultural acrimony? You know, what do you say to the young kid who's like, I want to break into the business, I want to do X, Y, or Z, but it's hard because there's just so much negativity. People are constantly telling me, I can't, I can't, I can't, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. What's your advice well, to those folks? Well, the first thing that, you know, my father taught me when I was growing up and, and God rest his soul was the fact that, you know, really the, the worst that someone can say is no. So always ask questions. You can go up there. If you want to break into the field, inquire, talk to people. And like we were saying with the internet, you have all the avenues in the world to reach out to any of these companies. If you want to get into voiceovers or if you want to get into, you know, acting and things like that, reach out to these schools. There's so many professional organizations that can help you out, you know, and give you the right leads and things. Talk to people, talk to, you know, get into small theaters, do small productions, get something underneath your belt and see if it's something that you really want to get into. But the sky's the limit, really. Truly, truly, the sky's the limit if you put your heart and your mind to it and you follow what you really believe in. Nine times out of 10, you're going to land on your feet. What's next for you, Chris Thomas? I mean, you're, don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, well, don't that's leave a, us. No, 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 not at all. 
But what not else? A, what else you got cooking? Tell us what right else now you got we're, cooking. I'm just, you know, we're finally getting, you know, it, it's been a long time coming, it seems. And, and it's such a beautiful thing. Finally starting to put together a little reel and demo things. You know, and like I said, is I, I, I just, I love being with the productions. I love the, the Judge Judy show and I love Hot Bench so much. We're like a tight-knit family there, which is an amazing thing to me. And, and it's such a blessing to be able to wake up and go to work every day and, and enjoy what you do. And that's truly what we should all strive to find is to really enjoy what you do. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, put my hand in the good Lord's hands and, you know, just and just keep moving forward in a positive light. That's all I try to be. Well, you were there at the beginning of Hot Bench and you always made it uh, such a warm, welcoming environment. You have always been a light. I will say that uh, just a, a true light and a true beacon of positivity. I, uh, so but from the beginning, you've been with. The Honorable Judith Scheinland for 25 years. I've learned a lot from her. Um, I, I can't even begin to, I don't even have the time here to, to mention all of them. But uh, one of the things that Judy has really gifted me with is a real appreciation for the fact that, um, you know, you should find fun in life. Uh, it is important to find fun and find happiness and things, you know, it, Work is hard, but you should also be able to find some joy in things. And she's really someone who's like reminded me and frankly made it possible, uh, given this incredible opportunity that she gave me on Hot Bench, uh, you know, to, to look for the joy and to make sure that I, I'm finding and, and making joy in my life. Uh, what's been your greatest lesson from, what's been her greatest lesson to you? It's been, like you said, it's just been an amazing journey to be part of the Queen Bee production team and the family and everything there from the get-go. Um, I'll be honest, when I started, I was just a naive little 25-year-old, kind of, you know, fresh off the boat, it seemed, from Texas. Didn't really know what was going on. And, and then Hollywood can be a tough place. There's a lot of, you know, people who will kind of take advantage and stuff. But to meet someone like a Judge Judy who, who really inspires you, I mean, she's just, she's almost been like a mentor to me. Show me that the truth is always the right way to go. You know, even if the truth is the wrong, you know, it hurts to say at the moment, the truth is the best way to take it. And like you said, you know, she's such a positive influence. She does so much work to help people out. She benefits people. She helps people. She's, she's a grandmother. You know, and that's what people, people don't really realize is, is all of you judges are, are, are human beings also, and you're all sensational human beings outside the courtroom. So, I mean, it, it truly is a blessing. And, you know, and, and like you said, Judge Judy just teaches you to be yourself. Because honestly, she can see right through you. I mean, most of you judges can see right through if people aren't telling you the truth. So, I mean, it's just a blessing. And like you said, find fun in life and, and just be good to each other. That's what she's taught me is, is to be good to each other and, and that life really is meant to be enjoyed because you're only here once, you know, and if you do it right, once seems to be enough. That's it. You know, it's really funny. Once um, I was, uh, I think I was doing an interview and somebody was like, oh, what's Judy like? And I was like, she's really lovely. She's very warm. They're like, oh, she's really warm and friendly. I was like, yeah, if you don't show up lying and trying to like, <laughs> if you don't show up telling lies or like exactly. trying to like explain why you didn't do the thing you were supposed to do. But, uh, well, yeah. well, in all fairness, Tanya, <laughs> don't, you, don't show up in your courtroom and lie to you because I've seen you like, you know, get into them a few times also. Not a fan of it. I mean, I really do believe um, on a very serious note, you know, our show is a show, but it's a real adjudication. And court is one of the last bastions of places where people like have to prove things where you can't, you're not supposed to be able to make things up. 
Uh, you're not supposed to be able to just you know, wing it with no consequence. You're not supposed to be able to sick the system on somebody for no reason. Uh, so when those things happen, um, I, I think that it's a real perversion of one of the last bastions we have for truth and fairness. So yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it either. Um, but I do love you. Like, honestly, you, uh, your lovely wife, you've got an incredible, oh, you can, so give the men, because I'm friends with your wife. Um, I know all about your good husband habits. So <laughs> why don't you give the fellas some advice What's your, what's your advice for being a great husband? Your wife says you're a great husband. What's your great husband advice? And don't, um, don't, do, don't do this thing that's like, just do what she says. No, that's well, not it. That's, that's not yeah, it. Yeah, they, that, that's the cliche of happy wife, happy life is a cliche for a reason. It's been there that's for a true. while. <laughs> but, but the truth of the matter is, is, is you want to be best friends. You want to be best friends with your wife. You want to have fun. You want to show that you care. You want to listen. You want to be there. And don't be, I mean, honestly, I'm not perfect. I mean, I don't think anyone's perfect in a marriage and a relationship, but you want to be willing to work on it. You want to meet halfway. You want to realize that you're equal partners. There's no one above or below in the relationship. That's, that's what I've seen to found that works. I mean, I waited until I was 45 years old to get married, you know, so I, I did the whole, you know, play the scene and have some fun and try to find the right people. And it's not easy. But when you find your soulmate or someone that you really care about or anyone in, for that matter, just treat them right the way you'd want to be treated. It's and when partnership. When partnership bingo do, do unto others do unto your partner as you would have your partner do unto you you know yes, what ma'am as it's not just a cliche it's in the bible it means something <laughs> right it means something it's been those, around those they've been saying rules. for a long time it means something those rules it have been around for a long time <laughs> for a reason Oh, Chris Thomas, you are just the best. Uh, you're such a friend. You're a wonderful colleague. I love doing our show with you. I love having you uh, there as a part of this family. And thank you, really. Uh, you have been with Judge Judy for 25 years. You were with our show from the beginning. You were a warm, welcoming presence uh, from my day one. And I thank you very much. It's really an honor to work with you. Thank you so much. Hi. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, honor to be with you, and honor to work with you. I mean, and here's to many, many more years. You have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so you much. You too, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Tanya Acker Show is written and executive produced by me. Sam Fergoso is my producer. Andre Lynn is my editor. Cole Mitchell is my composer. Sydney Freeman is my production assistant. And my show dog is Maximus Justice, also known as Max. If you like us, please go on to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Maybe I'll even have the chance to read it on the air. I will give you my hugest and most profuse thanks if you do. Thanks for listening, everybody. 